You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Alright, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. I am joined for the second time, the Man of Steel, Mike Verna. Mike, it's good to have you back on, man. It's good to be back. I, you know, I told you the first time we talked that I had a lot of fun uh, uh, chatting with you, and uh, I'm actually happy that you reached out to me to, to, to do a round two, a take two, a couple months later. Of course, man. It's uh, Last time we spoke was in July, and I've seen... You've been very busy. You're you're back out there. You you are now a wrestler working in the pandemic. <laughs> I'm a wrestler again, bro. I'm a wrestler again, 100%. <laughs> That's a great way to put it because I remember when we spoke about um, you know, back in July about what was going on in the in the, in the circumstances. I didn't feel like a wrestler at that particular point. I was doing a lot of uh, training luckily. I had a nice private ring set up in the Hamptons during the summer, so I had I had access to to a ring pretty much every day or every day I wanted to go out there. So I was content with being in the ring and getting my reps in, but I didn't have a show since March. And my first show was until September 13th or so. So, I mean, from March to September, and middle of March to middle of September was the, was the first time I had an actual live show experience. Um, and the first two, well, the first one was outside in front of people, which was happy. I was happy. Um, even outdoors in Jersey at that particular time, it was uh, 33% limit, so it was only about 75 to 100 people and an outside farm. So it really wasn't that environment I'm used to, but it was a breath of fresh air to have the people behind you, which is something, you know, obviously I wasn't, I wasn't getting over the last, you know, several months, so that's always a rush for me. Then the second show was what we spoke about last time, which was a studio taping for Beyond Wrestling, and that was in front of our peers, about, you know, maybe 20 of our peers, um, so although we had that live reaction, um, it wasn't the fans. It was kind of like um, everyone being a team player under the circumstances and kind of creating a, a an environment for the wrestlers to kind of thrive off of. But like I said, there's nothing than there's nothing better than being in front of the people, especially a large crowd of people. And unfortunately, we're 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 still pretty far away from that on um, you know on the independent as well as the national level, national television uh, level. So, I mean, we kind of got to deal with what we got right now. Um, but, you know, it's getting better. It's getting better. I'm out there. You know, I had I had uh, three shows back-to-back-to-back to back to back in September, which was basically regular. Like I said, it was uh, Invictus's debut show in uh, Jersey. Then I had Beyond Wrestling, which was actually at my location in the Hamptons, which was fun. And then we had I had one more for uh, Titan Championship Wrestling slash Standalone Wrestling in Jersey as well. Another outdoor show in front of people. It was brick, about 50 degrees, but I loved it because I was in front of people. <laughs> um, and then it kind of went stagnant a little bit again because of the circumstances. The Beyond Wrestling was supposed to be my next show this weekend. It was supposed to be Sunday. Um, that got canceled in Atlantic City. Um, the next one I have, in flat, and it's just about right now, um, I did have I did have one. I had one more on a Thursday two weeks ago, so I, I don't want to forget about XWA. That's one of my home companies. I did drop a title that night, uh, so that was kind of, you know, a turn of events. But, um, yeah, it, it happens, it happens. But I got <laughs> two more shows lined up in November, the 20th and 21st, which is a New England All-Stars event, which will be in Jersey as well because Massachusetts is still locked down. And then on that Saturday will be a crossover event, uh, Monster Factory and New England All-Stars uh, 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 duo show. And then I think I'm pretty done until the new year. There are rumblings for some of my other home companies like Northeast Wrestling and Chaotic Wrestling kind of doing that studio taping vibe. I don't want to talk too much about it yet because I'm not sure if I'm allowed to. So if they hear me talking about it, I'm sorry in advance, but think of it as free advertising. Um, exactly. <laughs> uh, I do have those lined up. Uh, but until then, like, you know, it's still a, a, as cool as it is to be back working, as you said, it's certainly not back to normal. I imagine. I, I mean, I have to imagine that you are you're glad that you get to be in the ring again. Be like you said, be a wrestler again. And like you just said, you've been it's very busy, very, very busy. I've seen your Twitter lately been blowing up. Just kind of <laughs> uh, I, I know a while ago. And that you posted a, a video that of you and I believe it was JT Dunn. You were congratulating AEW on a year for Dynamite. And yes, 
Now, I remember, I used to watch BTE religiously. I don't get to watch it really that often. But I remember when the Bucks and Cody and Hangman were all doing these indie shots trying to promote AEW. And little did I know, the first thing that Cody and Hangman do, that's you. One of those guys is yes, you. Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, I thought sir. that... I'm I'm like, Sorry, go ahead. I love that you bring that up. No, I love that you bring that up. You know your shit, CJ. You know your shit. So that's a good thing. Um, but yes, yes, that was that was definitely us, and that was a cool moment. And I, I like to uh, I like to look back at that moment because I, I like I tweeted that that day. I, I think there's a lot of unfinished business left uh, with that, and I'll leave that at that. Okay. Yeah, I won't I won't ask you anything that you don't want to talk about. I'm down to talk about talk about anything, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. There's unfinished business on the table. I'm looking forward to getting to it. Let's put it that way. Okay, that's very good. It's very good because I, you know, seeing you and Hangman Adam Page in, in the in the same ring together, that was just like, oh shit, that that would imagine be a an effing barn burner. Yeah, I um, tend to agree. And I think uh, I think the good thing to touch on that real quick is I think. Um, with everything going on with AEW um, under the circumstance of the pandemic, remember they're a new company still, so this is obviously mm-hmm. um, not the best situation for them. But God, have they worked through it and they've made it work? So God bless them and, and good job with Cody, Tony Khan, the Bucks, Kenny, everyone involved from a, from a you know a, a production standpoint, top to bottom, they've done an awesome job. Um, but I think the good thing about this is that with AEW, there will be more correspondence and more uh, partnerships slash appearances with the indies when um when things get back to normal because you know there's there's one thing and i don't want to get too off topic but there's one thing that a lot of wrestling fans don't realize is that when a when a wrestler signs with a company whether it's wwe AEW, impact ring of honor mlw whatever it may be and they lose any kind of exclusive uh, and they they sign any kind of exclusivity right to that company the, there's a lot of money that comes out of the wrestler's pocket. Now, obviously, WWE is the most strictest. Mm-hmm. AEW probably being second under certain circumstances. As you see, there is still a lot of freedom for guys to go out there and do their thing. But there's a label that attaches to a wrestler when they sign a contract. Even when it's like MLW, which I'm not saying they're at the bottom of the of the scale, of the totem pole, but I think their name right now carries the least amount only because they're new as well and the pandemic hit them. Um, but when you announce, like, you know, uh, for example, I'll use Joey Janela. Um, Joey Janela, AEW superstar. Joey was already an indie star. But now you attach AEW superstar to him, there's a mystique to him now. There's a little bit more of a, of a billboard, for lack of a better word. So when you see that on an indie show, more people are drawn to it because he is on TV on top of being a fan of him in general. And that raises his rate. So, you know, under these circumstances of the pandemic, if for some reason, God forbid, AEW is any kind of financial uh, struggle, which I doubt they are. I'm just saying, hypothetically speaking, um, you know, it gives the wrestlers a chance to go out there on the indies and make money for themselves. And I think that you're going to see more of that from AEW when the indies come back. So to touch back on your first point, I assume that if I don't sign a contract somewhere that fits best for me um, in 2021 or the end of this year, I assume to cross, path, cross paths with people like Cody again um, on an independent level. I can definitely see that. I, I know, like you said before, AEW has definitely you know taken a hit. You know, they're a brand new company, and you know, even though you have a family like the Khan family kind of backing them up, you know, at the same time they still need to run a business so they can still keep afloat yeah. for for themselves. Um, and I agree with you in the in the sense that AEW has been killing it. They've been doing a tremendous job despite the circumstances of the pandemic. I mean, full gear this Saturday is could potentially be a a match of the uh, show of the year candidate. Um, if you don't mind Absolutely. me, if you don't mind me asking, how did that whole thing happen when Hangman and Cody showed up? What were you guys like clued in, or was it kind of like a surprise? It was a little bit of both. So um, the promoter of NEW, Northeast Wrestling, is a guy by the name of Mike Lombardi. Um, I consider him one of the best promoters in all of indie wrestling from top to bottom. He's been around for a decent amount of times, uh, a decent amount of years. I, I, I forget, and I don't, I, I don't know, I think it's 25 years now that NEW's been in existence, because I think they had their 25th anniversary um, this summer. <clears throat> and he's had the likes of Hulk Hogan in his ring, Roddy Roddy Piper, the Ultimate Warrior. You know, 
these are names that you know for from fortunately for for some of them they don't exist anymore they're gone they they passed on and their their legacies live forever but you'll never get a chance to see them live especially on an indie show mike had the opportunity to have a lot of them on his shows so that alone like puts you on another level and then mike is also responsible for finding a lot of the up and coming talent like myself um and putting them as prominent stars on their show on his shows and then they eventually lead to bigger and better things like Flip Gordon, Matt Taven. Um, uh, you know, he had a, he has a really good relationship with Cody. Um, Private Party wasn't what didn't start from them, but he used them a lot. You know, just the names go on and on. And and Mike was, uh, I believe he was a, he was very close with Dusty. I don't know the exact relationship, but he was very very close with Dusty. So he obviously had a really good relationship with Cody. Like I said, so when they were doing those loops. Um, promoting AEW and teasing AEW. NEW was something that Cody was um, specifically at. I know he was the NEW champion for a couple of months. Um, you know, uh, he dropped the belt to flip. Um, so he was prominent there for a long period of time while he was in ROH, kind of segueing into AEW. And I remember Mike had texted me that, that weekend, that week, and said, um, I just want you to know you're going to be involved with something pretty big, but I can't confirm it yet. So... This is Mike is the king of that. Mike Mike mm-hmm. likes to uh, he likes to play with words and he likes to get you excited and nervous and kind of he wants you to rise to the occasion. That's why I res- that's why I respect Mike so much um, because he's not your typical promoter that makes you feel uncomfortable about having the best match of the night or 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 you know um, about financial things or just your spot on the card. Mike gives you the opportunity to really it's like look here here I'm sticking you I'm going to stick you in the ring with one of the hottest person in pro wrestling at that time which was Cody Rhodes and you're going to have a great time and you're going to do it. So I respect him for that but the, the way he words it is even better cuz it's not a matter of hey I'm doing this for you, you know this like it's more of like just be ready. And I like that especially as a former athlete on the baseball diamond a coach. I like that to be ready uh, environment uh, uh, mindset. So we get there, and the rumblings, me and Jay, he tells it both to JT and myself. So the rumblings were, are we wrestling them? Because we both had single, ma- single matches um, um, originally advertised. Then, several days before, it changed into a tag team match, um, JT Dunn and myself versus SCU, Kazarian and Daniels. So now we're hyped, because now we're saying, oh, this is a, this is a great match. This is oh, going to nice. be good. Oh, nice. You guys work SCU. Yeah. Yes, we worked them first, and then... Again, we didn't really know exactly what was going to happen, but when the match was over, we got the um, the Iggy the, or the, the heads up for for those who don't know wrestling lingo to start cutting a promo and a heel promo. So we started cut, cutting a little bit of a heel promo, and then little do we know, the music hits, the fans go absolutely wild because they were not advertised. Cody and Hangman were not advertised for the show, and that just shows you again what kind of promoter Mike is. It's like you sell out the Danbury PAL with 3,000 people or 2,000 people. You don't even advertise the fact that you're about to have the biggest star in wrestling, independent wrestling and wrestling free agent in general right now on the show. You still pack it out, and then you give the fans a treat for those who are there to see this guy live in an impromptu running um, experience. So, you know, when I came out, again, I had the feeling that it was going to happen because I saw them in the building. Well, obviously, when there, I saw them. I knew what Mike was pitching to me. I, I read between the lines when Mike messaged me, and uh, but I didn't know what we were doing. So then, you know, they came in, and we just spoke to each other in the ring in the moment, and we made that little moment happen. Um, I'm very grateful for it. Cody's a professional. Hangman's a professional. They didn't have to do that with us. Um, after that, you know, Cody had long talks with me and JT, um, said nothing but good things, um, you know, and we've, we've, I wouldn't say that we've maintained a, a connection since then because Cody's a very busy man, but we've maintained um, a relationship, which is good, a very uh, um, professional relationship. And uh, every time I see him, he's always very cool. And same thing for Hangman, very cool, very chill. Um, and as you know, we were, JT and myself were at the first two AEW tapings, uh, the first two episodes. And that was kind of when, you know, I, I, I'll just speak candidly here. That was when I thought that shortly after we would probably be going there, either as a team or individually. And then um, the pandemic kind of hit shortly after. So that was October. The, it, that was October when they, when, they, um, when they had us there. And then we were kind of in like the, we're not really bringing people in. Because at this particular moment, there, dark wasn't what it is right now. Dark was... Mm-hmm. Just for argument's sake, Jungle Boy versus Joey Janela, uh, and it was three three matches: Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela, uh, Jurassic Express versus SCU. They weren't doing what they're doing now with let's have this guy there do that. You know, 
it, it wasn't like that. So it was in the very preliminary stages of how do we, A, hire more people, and B, how do we use them? Because they didn't have any, they, this was all trial and error for them. They were experiencing a lot of things. Um, so we were kind of in the, we don't know what, how to do this yet, and we can't really offer any more contracts until the TV money comes in, perhaps in January. Um, and again, I may be exposing too much, but I don't really care at this point. <laughs> Wrestling <laughs> is what it is. Uh, but, you know, then January hit, and um, fortunately the pandemic hit shortly after, and, you know, wrestling kind of shut down, and that kind of, like, left us, um, you know, questioning, you know, what, what is our future with this company? Where do we leave off with that, that conversation we had? How do we touch back on it? And it's tough. You know, I've, I've, I've dabbled with the idea and, and I, of the opportunity. It's not like, you know, it's something that anybody can do, but I dabble with the opportunity of doing um, AEW Dark. Um, so I may be doing that in the next couple of months, which may uh, – I guess had the chance to kind of discuss things with Cody and reassess the, the situation. But at the same time, you know, it, it's been a while for me since rest for, uh, since wrestling has been wrestling, like we said. So I don't really want to jump into a situation or a, a job interview for lack of a better word until I feel like I'm ready. Let's put it that way. That's I'm good. not saying I'm not ready, by the way, I'm not saying I'm not ready. <laughs> it's just, you know, my mind, my mind hasn't been on wrestling in the last seven or eight months. It's just what it's come down to. It's no, there's no way to deny it. You know, do I miss it? Yeah. But I've also had a really good refreshing break on my body and my mind um, from not being on the road every single week. You know, I'm one of those wrestlers that are blessed um, to have bookings out the ass, for lack of a better word, which is a good thing. And, you know, when, when all this shut down, you know, the, the opportunity to spend time with family and friends and just kind of unwind, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm sure. There's a whole lot of information there, but uh, but <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good, dude. I'm I'm always glad when when you're on. It's always fun to hear the stories and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm I'm sure. Uh, I wouldn't have any doubt that there is definite interest, but uh, with with you and and JT over in AEW, and the point you and the point you made, you know, you're right. Dark wasn't what it is now. Uh, I, I remember when the first episode of Dark, they had Omega and uh, Janela in the main event in like a hardcore match. And I've seen yeah. in the past recent months, Dark has been a platform for a lot of indie guys to go on, see how they perform. And sometimes it works out for them. And sometimes, you know, they're offered a contract or they're off or they're asked to come back more. I, I believe that's kind of how it worked for Brian Pillman Jr. If I'm not mistaken. And, and some guys, you know, they come back and come, and it leads to a, an opportunity to potentially stay there full time. Totally, and that and that is what's kind of shifted my gears toward doing AW Dark. Because again, to break break the wall again, and just to be an open book, when I had my original conversations with Cody, you know, he he had said to me, and again, this was back in October when what we are doing right now is wasn't the case. He said, he said, I can't put you on TV in a jobber match or an enhancing match because people know who you are. And if I want to put you on TV as a star, as a, uh, a roster member, I can't have you go go out there and lose, the three minutes, lose, three, uh, lose in three minutes to whoever. And I respected that a lot. And I was like, that means a lot. But at the same time, there wasn't exactly a spot available. So it was kind of like that weird carrot where it's like, it's there for you, grab it, eventually you'll get it. Um, but it's not there right now. And in the beginning, I was a little hesitant with Dark when, when it became what it is now. I was a little hesitant with it because you didn't see the names getting signed. You kind of saw guys going there, having good matches, losing, and then kind of like coming back to real life. And again, this isn't a bad thing, and I'm not knocking anybody who did this, especially the ones who got jobs out of it, including a lot of them are my friends. You know, Anthony Bowens, Max Caster being the, the most two recent ones. Uh, Pillman, my fuck, my brother. You know what I'm saying. So obviously, I'm I'm happy that they did what they needed to do to to get onto uh, the opportunities that they're there right now. But you know, they, there's more people who have done it and have went back home and kind of just you know hung their hat on. I was on AEW Dark and I lost. It may sound egotistical. I don't want to be in a situation where I go down there and if I have to lose and then I return back to the Indies because I, I used to do this with WWE all the time. I used to be an extra for WWE. I would show up and I would be carrying Charlotte on a on a uh, on a throne to the Hell in the Cell, or I would be nice. taking John Cena out at the Barclays Center for SummerSlam. And your your social media would pop off, and it would be great buzz. But then you come back to real life, and it's 
it's really not that big of a deal. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, I guess, a pride thing in the, in the long run. And, and again, it may sound egotistical. It may sound a little bit too um, proud to be doing it. But I want the opportunities to be right at this particular time. And I tell this to a lot of people. I say, the reason why I haven't signed a contract anywhere yet is because I want it to be right. I don't want it to be something that either A, makes me hate wrestling, or B, regret it. I have a lot of other things going on outside of wrestling, which is different than most professional, full-time professional wrestlers. I love coaching college baseball. I love the acting world. Like, you know, as your sister would know, we, we, we've done classes together. I love that stuff. You know what I'm saying? And, and going to a contract where I'm not necessarily able to balance all, all of that, that worries me. That worries me because, you know, wrestling takes a toll on you physically and mentally and the grind and all that stuff. And I don't want to lose my smile, as Shawn Michaels would say, by signing the right, the, the wrong deal. You know what I'm saying? And, and again, it may sound like, yo, who is this guy to even talk like that? I get it, and I'm not trying to sound like one of those guys, but I'm happy to have a lot of other things going on outside of my world rather than, than just wrestling. It puts me in a good spot. No, that's good. And you, sh this is something you want to do as, and you are doing as a career, as as your job, you obviously want to be happy and you want to be satisfied wherever you may go. You don't, like you said, you don't want to regret it. You do have other projects that you are very passionate in doing. I totally understand that, and there are plenty of other people who totally understand that. And like you've mentioned with with the extra stuff, you know, guys on dark, or like you've said, you know, you've done extra work for WWE. Maybe some guys out there are a little ego about it, but it is a matter of what you do next and as long as you keep working hard. And you're definitely a guy who I have seen works his ass off with every project you are doing. I appreciate that because really at the end of the day, that's, to, to, to sound, not to sound like I'm reaching, but that is something that I want. Um, I want the powers to be in wrestling and obviously everywhere, but specifically in wrestling. I want them to see that out of me because I think like, in my head, I don't want to go somewhere just because I'm friends with so-and-so. You know what I'm saying? I have great, great relationships with Jake Hager, Billy Gunn, MJF. These are all people that I consider personal friends. I will never call them and say, please help me get a job. So I want them to, I want the people that are in control. Um, you know, even WWE, for example, Steve Carino, the list goes on. I don't want... Them to, I don't want to have to call them and say, can you please help me get a job? I want them to see what I've been doing, how I've bettered my body, how I've bettered my, uh, bettered my work, what I've done outside the ring. And I want them to turn around and say, damn, we liked Mike then. We really like him now, and we got to snatch him up before it's too late. That has always been like my mantra. But unfortunately, under the circumstances of the pandemic, it's not as easy as you know it was. I, I believe, true, truthfully, Again, not to get ahead of myself, I, if the pandemic didn't happen, I would be signed somewhere right now because that's the route it was going. That's the route it was going, or at least signed to somewhere I wanted to be. Um, and it's a shame because obviously you can't control what we're going through right now. And I also don't want to say, oh, I, you know, I wish this never happened because everything happens for a reason. Um, but, you know, it, it threw a curveball. It threw a curveball. There was a lot of pros to it mentally and physically, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, you know, it, it, it was a setback into into the direction I wanted to to get to with wrestling. You know, I had a lot of big matches lined up, a lot of opportunities lined up, a lot of eyes to be seen, you know, on, on me as a brand. And all that got taken away, um, but it doesn't mean it won't come back. No, absolutely. It Yeah, the pandemic has halted a lot of things. And I'm sure for a lot of guys, like in your position, where they had opportunities, and unfortunately the opportunities fell through the cracks to circumstances that were nobody's fault and nobody's doing it just it just it is what it is in the world right now um and i'm i'm confident i agree with you that i'm confident that you definitely would have been signed you definitely would have had a major contract somewhere had the pandemic not happened because again i i have seen your work i've seen a bunch of your matches and you are very good in the ring excellent in the ring like i've i've told you before how yeah. much i've i enjoyed the matches i saw with you and uh with hager and dunn uh uh and uh, and 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 Billy Gunn, um, and I've and I've seen you've not only I, this is and this is going back a little while ago too. Not only like AEW teases, but I've seen you throw Impact teases out there. <laughs> I, I've seen, and, you know yeah yeah go ahead go, continue. I like no, I like where you're going with. This. <laughs> no sorry because because I thought this was really cool because 
now former Knockouts champion Deanna Perrazzo. I I saw her put up a tweet about some episode of Impact saying she needed more security. I see a picture with you. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh shit. <laughs> no, because I know she she's from Jersey. I'm I'm a fan of hers. I like her work, and I'm like, that's pretty that's pretty fucking cool. And I've seen you guys like uh, tease like a potential tag team for maybe on indie loop where things get a little better. Yeah. Uh, Deanna is one of my best friends in the business, hands down. I, we did, uh, in 2014, so I started wrestling in 2013. Um, uh, 2014, October 2014, so I believe it was about nine months from my, my debut. I think I debuted in October, uh, excuse me, yeah, October of 2013 I debuted, and I met her in August 2014 for SummerSlam weekend. Um, we did extra work for at the Barclays Center for WWE. So, again, like I backtrack, you know, you get extra work. It's it's a big deal at the moment, and then it just fades away. You know, I, I got extra work nine months in at a time where um, these these extra work gimmicks were actually considered tryouts because this is before the PC. The Regal, William Regal was on the road with, uh, with, T, with TV, and they would be bringing in the local talent that have potential opportunities to get tryouts. Um, so that was a cool thing back then. I met her there, and we've remained close ever since. You know, we have typical, we have pretty much the same roots: Italian, Jersey, New York. Um, so we we have we have a lot of the same interests in wrestling, a lot of the same background. The styles are very similar. Um, like I said, our views on wrestling are very similar, and we were just we just we both have that vibe where it's like, yeah, wrestling is what we do, but being a human being is really what we are. And um, in wrestling terms, that 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 means more than what it sounds like in human terms. Um, because it just means that you, you look at other things outside of wrestling and you have other interests rather than wrestling. Um, uh, so we just remain close. We, we had a friendship for a long time. We maintained that friendship for almost 10 years. And, and she's just, she's the best. You know, she's one of the best female wrestlers in the world. And like I said, she's Italian. So we wanted to recreate the FBI. Um, so that was That's definitely awesome. one of our goals <laughs> on the Indies. Yeah, that was one of our goals on the Indies. And then she got signed to WWE. Um, so that couldn't happen at the moment. And then when she got released, we're like, all right, we're doing it. We're, we're, we're finally doing it. And then the pandemic happens. So we can't do it there. But uh, spoiler alert, a company is going to book that tag team when things get back to normal. So we will try it, and it's going to be fun. And we'll see how far we can get with it. Um, but, but, yeah, you know, uh, we... Again, I can't really break the wall too much on this one, but we did talk about particular things with Impact, which uh, was very interesting to me and very exciting in a sense, um, something I would definitely be interested in doing. Um, so, again, it really is just a matter of, you know, what's the right move, um, what's the right situation, um, and, and then we take it from there. But, but it's funny that you notice that because I don't want to show – I have to show my respect to Impact. A, I think the company as a whole – is in the right direction. I think their talent pool is in the right direction. Um, I think what they're going for is, is finally right, and I think they're only going to get better with time. Uh, the roster's strong. It'll only get stronger, and and it's something I would uh, definitely enjoy being a part of. Yeah, I for Impact's product right now, They a while ago they were teasing all the former WWE D guys and girls, but they're definitely focused on, well, this is our roster now. This is the product we have now, and I've been trying to keep up with what they've been doing. I've watched some matches here and there. And again, yeah, that's really cool that that you are friends with Deanna, and I again, I think she's, like you said, one of the best female wrestlers in the world. She uh, was extremely underutilized in WWE, and it's great to see her utilize the character that she wanted originally right now so that's really really cool and when that happens this little plan you guys have i definitely want to try find the youtube link if it's in my area i will definitely try and go because that's something i would definitely want to see oh hell yeah no, no doubt about that i i assume that it would be close to jersey just under the <laughs> circumstances i will i will definitely keep you in the loop if they even let you get in the building so we hope for that too <laughs> well if i can i definitely would want to see it i appreciate it man okay. yeah just going through here. And another thing that I've seen that you've kept busy on is uh, every once in a while you're playing COD with uh, with JT. <laughs> JT, Sammy, Danny Limelight, Kenny Omega. We got our own little COD thing going on there. So we Omega's have, been we with you guys. Yeah, Omega is quite the player. Omega is quite the player. He's, oh, he's pretty cool. funny on the headset, too. That's pretty cool. Pretty funny on the headset, too. Yeah, I know yeah, Sam, the, Sammy the Callahan's joined. Oh, sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. I know Sammy Callahan's joined a couple times, but go ahead. Yeah, our regular crew. Me, Sammy, Danny Limelight, and JT. And, and Bear Bronson. Can't forget about Bear Bronson. 
you are you a big video game guy or do you just kind of play when you're like hey are you free you want to play some cod what what is it with you when it comes to video games so i have become a big video game guy again and it's interesting because it was pandemic no doubt about it you know i had i i never had the time to sit down and put the put the put the console on i never had time for it I always liked it. As a kid, I was always a big video game guy. I would go to GameStop early in the morning to get the new Grand Theft Auto game and, uh, you know, all these big releases, and I, I just fell out of it. You know, very similar to how I was with wrestling. And a kid, I loved it. I got to high school. I kind of stopped liking it. I got to my senior year of high school. I loved it again, and now I hear am where I am now. I, I guess it's the same similarities to, to video gaming where it's like, yeah, I just stopped doing it. But a lot of it had to do with time. You know, it takes time to, to, to sit down and play for a couple hours, and I didn't have that time. Um, the pandemic opened that door up. So, I mean, what are you doing when you're locked in your house basically 23 hours of the day? Um, uh, so I, I just, you know, I've seen that Warzone was like this new cool thing. I had literally nothing to do. I put it back on. I sucked in the beginning, and then I just ended up being obsessed with it. I was like, this is so much fun. And then during that time, it's funny because, you know, obviously as, as fun and obsessed as I was with Warzone slash still am, you would get tired at times when people go to sleep and you don't want to play by yourself. You start getting other games. So then you find yourself, oh, I'm a gamer again. You know, you spend, <laughs> you look at your credit card bill at the end of the, end of the, end of the month and you're like, wow, I just spent $400 in video games. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, COD was a thing for me too in the pandemic. I, I, I had stopped playing Call of Duty since maybe Black Ops Two, and I, and then my buddies are like, "Well, we're playing Warzone. Get it on your PlayStation." I see how much how much how much memory it needs. I'm like, Jesus. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I recently. I a hard drive. Yeah, I did too. I had to. I got a two terabyte from Amazon. The thing really helps out. Yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah. So I yeah just I see another avenue that where you're trying to keep yourself busy. I guess that's another notch in the belt. The video video games yeah. wrestler actor. I will say this: I will I will not become a professional gamer. That is one <laughs> thing I can tell you. I will not pursue. <laughs> um, but speaking of one of those notches on your belt, um, how is the acting going? How as far as projects uh, with with that realm? Very good, very good, um, and it, it's it's interesting because. Um, not only financially, because I don't think at the end of the day, although we need money to live, um, I don't think it's the end all be all, you know, you have to enjoy what you do for a living. That's what makes it, you know, not work, um, as that old cliche says. Um, but it's, it's become a real passion of mine acting. I really, I really thoroughly enjoy, uh, the craft of it. I, I can't deny that. You know, I, I, I think I told you in the beginning, uh, or the last time we spoke, I never did any kind of theater. The only thing I ever did was I did a competition a student uh, produced show called Sing, which is basically, like I said, it's it's two grades versus the other two grades. They come up with a production and they compete in that one night and you know, alumni judge you on what's the better show. I did that because there was a lot of girls in there. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. Why not? You know what I'm saying? So I didn't have any theater background. I never had any kind of acting experience or theater experience at all. Um, and, you know, pro wrestling kind of opened that door for me under the circumstance of uh you know live performance uh, performance and that's what really wrestling is obviously with athletics involved but it's a live performance um and when i started taking classes and getting getting gigs getting bookings i started to take it more seriously in the beginning i kind of looked at it as all right let me give it a shot you know i really don't care what happens but let's see if, 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 an, if an agent wants to 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 sign me because he thinks i can do it then hell might as well do it but i didn't think much of it and then I started getting some work, and it's slow. Acting, don't get me wrong, like, especially in New York City, a very competitive market, you know, it's Absolutely. not easy to, to book, it's not, it's not easy to book anything big quick. Um, so you, you do your small productions, you do your indie, uh, your, your indie shorts, you do your, your, your local commercials that only give you like $200 a day for showing up. Uh, you do your little things. You start building a little bit of a resume. You start building a little bit of a, of a credits reel. And then you start getting some experience under your belt. And then you fall under some, uh, some good projects, you know, like some pilots and, and um, sometimes some, um, um, some guest star roles. Those are things that you would early get in your career. Um, and I started falling into some of those things where in 2019 I did three pilots. So I didn't get a chance to do any kind of guest star role yet on any kind of major TV show, but I did do three pilots, which obviously can translate to a, to a big TV show. 
under the circumstances, the status of those are still in the air. Uh, another thing about the pandemic, but go figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you, you start building your credit up. And then um, most recently, as everyone saw the Philadelphia cream cheese commercial, that was my big, uh, yes. quote unquote, my big, big break um, on the national level. I think it had about 7 million views on Twitter. Um, 4 million views on Instagram, another 10 million on Facebook or YouTube. The numbers were really good there. The, the numbers were really, really good when it comes to um, the platforms and, and the viewing. And the funny thing about it is a lot of those views came from the wrestling community. And that just shows you um, how passionate they are, how passionate professional wrestling fans are to, to you know, wrestlers. And, and that's something that is really a beautiful thing. Like I looked at it and I looked at the stats between – so that commercial basically shot eight different families or eight different um, actors. And they said, okay, you know, over the year or over the six months, whatever it is, we will show these based on these spots based on the, the theme. So mine was obviously 4th of July because I had the American flag tights, all that stuff. So all those things had a theme. So I would look at the, the other commercials that aired for the, for the same campaign. And, I mean, I was beating them by millions. I wasn't necessarily just beating them by a couple of thousand views. I was beaten by millions. And there is no doubt, well, I don't want to take, I don't want to discredit my work. I imagine that the commercial was good and a lot of people liked it. But there's no doubt that a lot of those millions of views was the wrestling community. And they just get behind, um, they get behind their, their people. Let's put it that way. They get behind their people. They see a wrestler and they say, I don't, you know, I may not be too familiar with him. And then you may have the hardcore Verna fan that shares it on every single, you know, social (laughs) media page they have, you know. So it's like they're passionate and they're passionate about their kind. They're passionate about the people they watch. And again, I'm thankful for them because that's the reason why I'm an actor. I get gigs. I got I got these gigs because I'm a wrestler, you know, led me to that that, to this acting world, uh, this Hollywood world. And and I'm, I'm very thankful for that, too. Um, but to answer your question, I, I was able to do that. I um, did another short film that hopefully is going to Amazon Prime um, once nice. the post production nice. is done. That should, uh, yeah, that should be a nice little view. And then I recently, which I'm actually shooting next week, um, booked another national commercial. I can't say what it's for yet because it's not legal, but you'll see it. It's a, it's a TV commercial, so you'll see it on TV. I was gonna ask you about that because I saw I because I think I saw something on Twitter like uh, a few days ago They're saying like it's very hush you're like it's very hush hush at the moment but you definitely will see it. Yes, um, yes. Looking forward to that when it comes out and thinking back because I don't think I said this last time we spoke. I remember actually seeing that Philadelphia uh, cream cheese commercial. I think I. I didn't know who you were at the time. I didn't know that, you know, you and my sister were in an acting class, which she says hello, by the way. <laughs> send my regards, send my regards. <laughs> I will. I will tell her when we're all done here. Um, but I think I was probably watching some wrestling video, whether it be like Cultaholic or, or Wrestle Talk or something, and I remember seeing that ad, and then I think it was uh, my sister who showed that. It's like, yeah, this is this is Mike, the, the wrestler I had the acting class with. I'm like, I saw that ad. So I kind of discovered <laughs> who you were through that through that ad so i'm just like oh okay so yeah because i don't think i got and that's awesome that's awesome because you know the the wrestling world is so small in the grand scheme of things where everybody knows everybody somehow you know you may not be too familiar with this person but you know they exist it's kind of one of those things Mm -hmm. and then something as 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 you know random as that it kind of leads you into now, okay, I'm, I'm interviewing him, I'm looking at his stuff, I have his telephone number. It's, just, it's amazing how wrestling can kind of develop your, your relationship, um, both personally and also fandom, towards, a, per, towards a, a specific worker, which I think is really cool because the, the world is so small with wrestling. It's such a small pond. And in the long run, everyone is so accessible. You know, it's crazy. It's like people book Mick Foley to, 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 to marry them. And Howard Finkel, may he rest in peace, he would be the mm-hmm. MC for events. You know, so it's like the wrestling community is so small yet so loud and powerful. Yeah, absolutely. You just reminded me with uh, with Finkel. I, uh, a couple of years ago, I was listening to a podcast. It was Jericho, Gallows, Anderson, and uh, Kurt Hawkins, or Brian Myers now, uh, saying that, that Fink, uh, the, uh, Finkel announced him and his wife at their wedding. It's like, I knew Mr. and Mrs. Yeah. I'm like... <laughs> That's pretty yeah, cool. Uh, what, That's what's pretty better cool. than that? <laughs> that is pretty damn cool. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that, that's the beauty of it. There's no doubt about that. That is the beauty of it. Um, I guess taking uh, away from 
wrestling in general, th- this is I, I, mean, I have a couple buddies of mine who are big Mets fans, and I know you are a Mets fan. Yeah. How do you, how are you feeling about right. the new ownership right now? Um, I'm ecstatic. I think that's probably the best news of 2020 is to see Steve Cohen as the new owner of the of, of the uh, New York Mets. Um, it's a big deal. It's a big deal uh, because you know I, as a fan, a diehard fan, I understood why people hated the Wilpons, but at the same time, I've watched you know teams like the Rays and the Indians and the Rockies and all these low budget teams go out there and overperform and make it to the playoffs or make it to the World Series or win a World Series. And I would look at it like, yeah, we're, we're New York City. We're big market. We should spend a lot of money. But that's no excuse for our play. Now we have uh, – but, but the, the, the big thing I didn't like about the Wilpons were their decision-making. Not so much their lack of spending. It was their decision-making. Now what's cool is that you see Stevie Cohen already on Twitter talking to the fans, associating with the fans – that personal relationship, people may think, oh, it's just Twitter. No, no, no that's a big deal. It's that's very a smart. big deal. To, to, yeah, to let the fans in because we want that. We want the passion of it. Like I saw him saying the Mets will have an old-timers day, more retired numbers, more statues around City Field. As wrestling fans, we know that nostalgia goes a long way. It's the same way with baseball. You know, mm-hmm. it, took, it took the Mets – it took the Mets for – it took the Wilpons, may I say – for Mike Piazza to get into the Hall of Fame before they could retire his number. God, everybody knew his number was going to be retired. Did you really have to wait until his, he got to the Hall of Fame to do it? I get the argument, but just do it. Yankees have every number retired. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's be real, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm, um, I'm on the other side of the pond being a Yankee fan. Like, they will retire yeah, someone's number when they're retired. They're not going to wait till they get to the Hall yeah. of Fame. Yeah, it's like all right. He's retired. Or we're having the ceremony next season. They did that with Jeter. He retired. He got his number. Mm-hmm. He got his number retired the next season. So it's like there's that weird there was that weird vibe with the Wilpons where now it's like Steve Cohen's coming in. Not only is he going to bring that energy and fan them back, but I think he's also going to obviously open the wallet, and that cannot be denied. I was always a big guy where it came down to Yankees spend a lot of money. They they blah blah this this that. They haven't won in ten years, so I can't even use that as an excuse at this point. But back in the early two thousands, <laughs> even two thousand nine, when they basically had that stack team and beat the Phillies. You know, that was one of the, the common narratives. But now it's like, you know, you're a New York team. You better, open the, you better open the wallet. You better get the deals made because at the end of the day, you do need some talent. You do want guys on the analytical standpoint to overperform and get you on base and play the whole muddy ball model, which is cool. I'm into that. I'm not – as a coach, I don't like analytics. I go by eye. If, my, if I see a pitcher is struggling, I will – as coaches, we'll talk – We'll talk to the player. We'll get our feel on what to do with him based on that. But I'm not going to look at an iPad and say, okay, we got seven, eight, nine coming up. They all hit the ball to right field last time, and their launch angle was 76 degrees, and the exit velo was 99 on this batter, so we got to take him out. I don't want that. That's Jesus. too much data. That's too much information. The game is going that way, so I have to accept it. But I don't want to take the emotion and the feel out of baseball. Um, so although the money ball method is really good, I want to see Steve Cohen kind of open the, uh, open the wild a little bit, get some good free agents, bring some talent in, make some trades and put us on, put us on the map where it's like, okay, you, you better succeed now. I don't want question marks anymore at the Mets. I love when they're, they're not built to win and they have a nice run like 2015, for example. Um, and they went all in and they got Cespedes and things were going good, but they weren't supposed to win that year. They weren't supposed to make the world series. So I like that model. But I also like the Yankee model too. I would like to see what that feels like. <laughs> I think it's a very good thing for 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 Mets fans all over. Uh, two two of my best friends are Mets fans, and they were just uh, three of my best friends actually. My occasional co-host Sean, uh, he he's a huge Mets fan, and I just saw him all over Twitter being seeing all the stuff with De Blasio trying to get in the way. He's like, "Bill, stay out of it." <laughs> so, but I'm very happy for all you guys because. The Mets succeeding is only good for New York. It's only good for good press. And one thing I would love to see personally, and I'm sure you would too, is if you know if the Mets can rebuild themselves, beat you know you know Cohen can spend, do well with the team. The team can just play great again. And if the Yankees can be on the same par, and if we you know, I would I just want to see another Subway World Series in the yeah, future. I want to see I want to cool. see that. It would be, you know, it, with everything going on in the world right now with politics, like, 
I wouldn't mind having that same feeling on a baseball field. <laughs> it doesn't have to be about the world's balance and all the and, and what is all good and evil in the world. I'd rather see that on a baseball field, not the not the White House. But yeah. <laughs> no, I know, man. No, I know, because I was a kid when the World Series was around, and I would just love to see it, you know, witness it as as an adult, you know. Yeah, what was really cool when I when I was a kid because I'm not sure how far off we are in age, but it sounds like we're just about the same. Um, I remember when I was a kid, we were driving home from the we were driving in the neighborhood when that happened, and people just had you know light posts were covered with Mets stuff and Yankee stuff. It was just like it was a great neighborhood experience. The flags were out, you know. It was just as a neighborhood New Yorker, being in your neighborhood, your area experiencing it. It was like, damn, this is this is what it's all about. You know, this is what it's all about. This is the fandom that I think in the the technology era in general, I think we're missing out. We're missing out on that 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 excitement, you know. Um, things things we get distracted by Twitter and Instagram and, and stuff like that, and then we miss that kind of like rallying around, you know, and like having a good time with having a good time with with just being just being in the moment, you know. Absolutely. Painting the town orange and blue. <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes people forget, you know, this this is a game, and like I said, two, three of three of my closest best friends are are Mets fans, and. Although we never had the opportunity to go to a Yankee Met game together, we can still go to a game and have fun, you know, because people can kind of take things out of the, you know, a little out of, out of, get a little too hostile. Like, just, it, it's, we're having fun. It's a game, you know? Yeah, that's um, it. At the end of the day, that's it. Yeah. And another thing that we talked about prior is that you are a wrestler who doesn't particularly watch wrestling. Um, have you watched anything recently? Um, like I said, for me, I love old stuff. I will always watch old stuff. I love the new stuff. There's no doubt. I mean, let's put it this way. I'm not saying that I love, love the new stuff. I'm not an avid fan watcher anymore because I am still very, you know, um, invested in it. It's, it's mm -hmm. something, you know, when you're involved in something all the time, it's hard to really, you know, watch it so much. It just consumes you. You, I can't have it consume my life 24 seven. That's why I don't necessarily watch it that much, but because of Twitter, um, you scroll and you basically know exactly what's going on without having to watch three hours or two hours of programming. So I think that is more of my, the way I would like to say, I, I don't watch it. I don't watch three hours of TV or two hours of eight, uh, three hours of WWE or two hours of AEW at all. I probably will never do that, but I do have my Twitter videos, which will, will show me everything I need to know in a couple of scrolls. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I know. Believe me, I think I said it last I, time. Know, I, will say this, I will say this: the Roman stuff on WWE is—he uh, deserves an Emmy. <laughs> I, absolutely, this is, this is the best. This is the best work they've ever done with him. And I'm not going to be one of those guys that say, "Oh, they should have done this a long time ago," because they shouldn't have. This is all a boil. This is a slow ticking time bomb. This is how you know. This is the beauty. And I'm going to say something really controversial here, and Go I don't right if anyone hears maybe that maybe says, "Oh, how dare you say that." This is the difference between AEW and WWE at this particular point. WWE still has the ability to say, screw the ratings, screw what the fans think. I'm going to put time and effort into a storyline to build it to something really, really great, which is what they have right now with Roman. Granted, the rest of the situation around WWE isn't the greatest, but damn, what they have going on right now with him is good. AEW, on the other hand... Their match quality is through the roof. It's great. No one can deny that. You know, but their biggest criticism, not really for me, just generally from what I know and peers and what I read, is that they have a really hard time um, engaging fans in story. People are just more concerned about, you know, it's, it's again, I'm going to say something controversial here because it's more, it's more current events. It's like you look at the polls and people say, are you voting for Biden or against Trump? You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like mm -hmm. the same thing with AEW. Are you voting for AEW or are you just against Vince? There's a lot of that <laughs> going on. You know what I'm saying? There is yeah. a lot of that going on. And, I, and I've openly said I'd rather be in AEW tomorrow than WWE. I have no deny with that. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm anti-AEW. It just happens to be, I think that's where the big difference is between the two right now. And that's why WWE will always, will, will be for the moment, you know, they, they just have more experience doing it on a bigger level like this, where AEW, you know, they, they're the new school. They're, they're going to be what the future of wrestling is. But And it's up to Vince to eventually adapt to that, um, I think. 
You know, but uh, they all AEW also needs to look at WWE's long-standing history of how to make this thing work. You know, a buddy of mine, a couple of friends of mine, just started a podcast called Ring Crew Radio, and I wasn't a guest on it yet, but I did listen to their first episode. And one of the hosts, they said, uh, uh, the fans always say uh, Vince is out of touch; he doesn't know wrestling. And his one-liner comeback was, "He invented the damn thing." And I, 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 I laughed to that. I actually laughed out loud because that is my thought. It's like. Yeah, you guys can hate on Vince all you want, but he made this damn thing. He knows it better than anybody. Come on. He I would knows it better so. than anybody. I would think so, you know, too. So it's, like, it's, like, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, AEW is the hot blonde with big boobies. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> Vince, Vince is your wife. Vince is your wife. And at the end of the day, you know, your wife knows best. This is really how it comes down to. Uh, not saying that the blonde is not going to get married and have a wonderful family one day, but that's what, that's what AEW is right now. It's about... It's about sustaining their success, and I think they will because they have the talent, they have the minds behind it, they got the money, they got the the um, the enthusiasm. You know, they, as a, as I know, I've been there. I have m- more friends on AEW than I do WWE. They love it there. They love the vibe. Uh, you know, I mean, I can, I can tell you top to bottom. You know the deal. Like they love the vibe there. It's a great working environment. It's a great working experience, and they're only going to get better. But if I were to say that's one thing I'd like them to do is take a look at this Roman storyline and do something with it and do something with it, you know, or, or, or not do something with it rather, but, but learn something from it. See, see how can we in the future without copying them verbatim, obviously don't do the same storyline or the same style, but how can we make a compelling storyline like this without brand and our style and our superstars? And I think they will. I think so too. And I completely agree with you. I, I've been saying for the past few weeks, well, maybe couple months now since Roman's been a heel he's been doing the best work of his career maybe people can complain like oh they should have done this sooner I'm like hey hey be happy that it's happening and that it's happening at a time where wrestling is uh you know we don't have fan interaction in the arena any at the moment and he's been killing it I I loved his match with with Jay Uso at Hell in a Cell I I think it's a top 10 match of the year contender in in my personal opinion for Roman's acting and just just in the moment when J- uh, Jimmy was like come on man and he's you know they're using their real names we're family yeah. we're family here like yeah. in Rome you know Roman tearing yeah. up and then getting him the guillotine like like that's something wrestling has really lost is real yeah. character and, work totally in fact uh, to kind of take back what I just said a little bit um Dustin versus Cody I think oh it was my the last God. summer that's that was it. Beautiful. I mean, it. That's a page. That's the page of the Roman, um, you know, Uso thing we got going on here with a much smaller build to it. You know, it was just kind of like one of their first shows, one of their first matches. But the match itself was masterpiece, absolute masterpiece. Um, still my favorite AEW match to the to the to the day. Um, but that that's it. I mean, that's it in a nutshell. They need more storytelling like that. Obviously, mm-hmm. the the stage is set with Dustin and Cody. It's brother, two brothers. You know, they brought Dusty into it. They had themselves a bloodbath. They, it was just beautiful, beautiful storytelling. So it was that kind of that match wrote itself. But doing something like that with other guys, you know, that's a possibility that's really going to set them over the edge. I mean, wrestling to me since day one, um, investment and storytelling. I want to be emotionally invested, and I want to see a story being told in the match. If I want to see. A crazy stunt show, that's fun. I mean, that's fine. Everybody has their taste. I think a wrestling match is like a menu. You want a little bit of everything. No doubt about that. And I think AEW does exceptional with that. But, you know, they, they can scale back a little bit and they can add a little bit more steak rather than just, you know, a lot of dessert. Give me a little steak, you know. Give me something to bite into. Give me something to really say, this is, uh, this, is this got me. This got me. Because I'll tell you, the Roman storyline, that got me. And not, not much has gotten me in the last couple of years. That caught me. And yeah. mind you, the way it's going, I think it's only going to get better because you know who's coming into that storyline sooner or later. And who would that be? Big, da- Big Daddy Dwayne. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> I'd hope There's so. There's no doubt about that. I would hope I so. That's where this I leads. You're absolutely, I think you're absolutely going to get that, and you might have heard it from me first, but I think you're going to get I think you're <laughs> going to get that. I don't see, I don't see how, uh, how it doesn't happen. Uh, I, they don't have don't Brock. Either. They don't have Brock. You know, they don't have any kind. I mean, they don't have any steam coming off the pandemic. You know, they don't. They weren't able to really get anybody super over with the crowd because, of, again, of the circumstances. 
this Roman thing's working like a million bucks. You're going to see Roman versus The Rock at WrestleMania. Trust me, I think that's that's. I would say that's a done deal. I would be absolutely shocked if that's not the end at the ending of this of this story. I would hope so. I would absolutely hope that we get Rock and Roman at Mania, regardless of the outcome. And I'm sure what's happening right now is, you know, Vince and Triple H and all the po- higher powers that we are trying to get, do everything they can to be like, Rock, are you free? Whatever Mania is that, that weekend, like, are you free? We yeah. need you for this. Because yeah. we'll that make would... it, We'll make it work. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, we'll hey, make he can show, I mean, it's. You know, SmackDown's on Fox, and he can be promoting his te- tequila every week, like like I've been seeing him all over Instagram yeah. and Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So I I fully expect that. Um, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I I don't want to be like, oh, what are you talking about? You got me excited for nothing. Doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But I I would be shocked if they don't take advantage of the situation. If Rock's gonna come back to wrestle anybody, um, and do three months of TV, it's gonna be with his cousin. Of course, of course. I mean. Take advantage of the situation. Um, yep. But I think, Mike, I think we'll probably end on that note. We're talking for just about an hour now. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything you want to get out there, anything you want to promote, anything you want people to know about? Um, just, you know, as, as always, I, I, I kind of sound repetitive because I always close podcasts with this, but uh, keep supporting wrestling. Uh, you know, shoot us a follow, both of us. Your podcast, my brand, just keep it all going. Absolutely. Um, The more you guys, guys, and this is the fans, the more you guys support us, uh, the more wrestling continues to grow, the more stars are made, the more that this business just keeps on ticking. Um, So just keep supporting wrestling, independent and televised wrestling. Um, Things will get normal again. Wrestling will return back to normal again, and we can all see each other face-to-face. I want to hear you guys scream. I want to hear the boos. I want to feel it again. But in the meantime... Man of Steel MV is my social media. Shoot me a message. If I see it, I promise you I will answer back. Um, and, and, and just keep doing your thing. And stay safe, stay healthy. Things, are, things will be okay. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Mike, for coming on. Like Mike said, follow him on all his social media platforms. You know, Follow us on TNAWP, on Instagram. I'm sorry, on Twitter. Nine of the Wrestling Podcasts on Instagram. Facebook, Nine of the Wrestling Podcasts. You can follow me at CJ underscore 1214 on Twitter. Uh, CJ underscore 12. 93 on Instagram and please be sure to be sure uh, listening to us Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Podbean, Anchor.fm, wherever you can find myself and Mike and all our platforms. So for the Man of Steel, Mike Verna and CJ Palmasano, thank you all for listening. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to that interview with the Man of Steel, Mike Verna. Mike, it was a pleasure to have you back on, man. It was great catching up with you. Please be sure to be following him at Twitter and Instagram at Man of Steel MV. And please be sure to support the guy on Pro Wrestling Tees just typing in the Man of Steel Mike Verna. This last bit, real quickly, we're going to be talking about AEW Full Gear coming up this weekend. It is a stacked show. It is an absolutely stacked show. And I cannot wait to give you guys my prediction. So I know I've kept you guys here a little long, but we're going to get through this as quickly and as painlessly as possible. We're talking about AEW, so it's not painful at all. All right, so this Saturday, AEW Full Gear 2020. Going to go right down the card. Kicking things off with the buy-in match, which was recently announced the other day. Serena Deeb, the newly crowned NWA Women's Champion, will be taking on Allison K. Now, I don't really know much about Allison K. I've heard some things here and there. But since Serena Deeb just recently won the NWA Women's Championship, I think it's a safe bet to say that Serena Deeb will be retaining the championship. There's definitely going to be some partnership with AEW and NWA if there isn't one already officially made. But I see Serena Deeb retaining the title here. Pretty, pretty easy match to predict. Uh, next, we're going to go with freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy against. Draw a dark order member, John Silver. Um, this is another easy one to predict, but Orange Cassidy, uh, he is a draw, he is one of the most popular guys in the roster. He is, you know, it's hard to kind of tell who's over and who's not with you know, no fans or limited fans in the capacity of the arenas. But if you just go on Twitter, if you just go on, uh, you know, pro wrestling tees, Orange Cassidy is a consistent uh, merch seller. When it comes to that, so definitely Orange Cassidy. I've appreciated the the spotlight John Silver's getting, and he's been hilarious on stuff I've seen him with BTE. 
But uh, but this this will definitely be a fun match. But I got Orange Cassidy for the win. Next, we're gonna go with Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy in the Elite Deletion match. This is reported as a cinematic match. Uh, which I, I'm with this feud in particular, I feel like it's been going a little too long for my taste personally. But I think, and I, I I'm not really sure who could win. I am gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, Sammy Guevara. You know, I think just end it here. I, I it, it helps Sammy honestly. I hear it's gonna be at the Hardy Compound. I'm not sure. Really, it's a toss up. But I'm just gonna go with Sammy. I would like this feud to end, and I would like both guys to move on to something else. You know, I'd like Matt Hardy to kind of put over Sammy Guevara. It would be nice, but we'll have to wait and see. Next, the women's championship match between Hikaru Shida and Nyla Rose. Um, this had very little build to this match, and that is not to the fault of the women. It is the fault to the booking of the women's division, but I'm just going to make this quick and easy. Uh, Shida's going to retain because this has had like two weeks to build, and it has not been that good. Next, we're going to go with newly renamed, renamed, I don't know. Good news is that the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes will be defending the TNT Championship against Darby Allen. It was broken today at the time of this recording, this portion of the podcast, on November 5th, 2020, that Cody has got his last name back. He announced that after Dynamite had went off the air. So now the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes. He, again, he'll be defending the TNT Championship against Darby Allen. Um, this one, uh, again, I'm a little uncertain. You know, I feel like Cody winning the title back from Brody Lee, which apparently was reported that Brody Lee was never supposed to win the title in the first place. So when you look at it that way, that's pretty cool for for uh, Brody Lee. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen, but I'll take a shot in the dark here. And I'm going to go with Darby Allen. You know, again, I've, I've said how much of a big fan I am of Darby Allen. And the story with Darby and Cody is that Darby's never beaten Cody. You know, it's come to these big matches and Cody's always beaten him. But I feel like this is Darby's time. I feel like this is the time if you want to get a big win over Cody in this story that they've been playing. I think now is the time. I think you could probably turn Cody heel in this process. You know, he's been teasing it for a little while now, but I think this is the time to do it. I think Darby winning the championship and then Cody being pissed off, maybe beating up Darby and turning heel at the show, I think would be the right thing to do for this because I think this, as stacked as this card is, it needs a lot of buzz. It needs a lot of buzz um, for this pay-per-view. So I'm going to go with uh, Darby Allen to win the new AEW TNT Championship. Uh, AEW TNT Champion. <laughs> so, next up on the docket is FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Hardwood with Tully Blanchard in their corner defending against the number one contenders, the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, where the Young Bucks have added the stipulation if they lose, they will never challenge for the AEW World Tag Team Championships again. I'm sorry, Tully Blanchard is banned from ringside, according to Wikipedia. I don't necessarily remember seeing that on AEW TV, but, uh, but apparently that's what Wikipedia says. And we have to believe the internet, right? Anyway, so yeah, um, this one, I know we had the whole Cody thing and Jericho back at full gear a year ago. I just don't see AEW never having the Young Bucks be never be the tag team champions. I just think that's that would just be a ludicrous decision to make, to never have the Young Bucks, one of the most popular tag teams in the world of professional wrestling, never win the tag titles. It doesn't make any sense, even though it probably makes sense for FTR to win. I think just the build with this match was... It was kind of lackluster, you know. As fans, we've been dreaming about this tag team match for years, and FTR themselves have publicly said that, you know, they wish the build could have been a little better, you know. Again, considering this is a huge, huge dream match. The match is going to be amazing, and quite frankly, it's arguably going to be match of the night. One of the big matches of the night, but we'll have to wait and see. 
But I'm gonna take the Young Bucks here. I just, I just, I cannot see AEW not putting the tag titles on the Bucks. Maybe they could do something later on where they can win the t- uh, shot back. But right now, I just no shot, man. The Young Bucks gotta win. Continue the feud for sure. Continue the feud, but the Young Bucks gotta win. Anyway, next we're gonna go with Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega, AEW Championship Eliminator Tournament Finals. I'm gonna go with Kenny Omega. He's gotta win this one. I think he is going to be the one to face the champion when I get to that prediction in a second and become the new AEW champion after that. It will only add to this, you know, build to an eventual Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega championship match, crowds return, and have Hangman Adam Page be the one to kick out of the one-winged angel when Kenny Omega is a fully heel AEW champion. This could be match of the night as well. That's why I'm saying this this card is so stacked. Next, we have Chris Jericho versus uh, versus MJF. If MJF wins, he's allowed to join the inner circle. Jericho and MJF stuff has been some of my favorite stuff to see on Dynamite every single week. And to me, why would you dangle the carrot and not go for it? I think MJF's going to win. MJF will join the inner circle. He recently said in an interview with Sean Ross Sapp that if MJF joins the inner circle, Wardlow will join the inner circle too. I really like, I think we're going to see like MJF trying to destroy the inner circle from within and lead to another match with Chris Jericho, maybe an inner circle civil war. Who knows? But I definitely see MJF taking the win here. And finally, the main event of the show, the champion, the AEW world champion, John Moxley, Versus the challenger, Eddie Kingston, in an I quit match. This has been booked perfectly. It's been booked almost by on accident, by accident. And they've done an amazing job of keeping me enticed every single week for the build-up for this feud. I think I've said it before. Eddie Kingston, a few months ago, he was you know coming in for a shot against Cody for the TNT Championship, got a contract, became one of the best promo guys in a company full of amazing promo guys, and this feud just feels real. It feels organic, and it wasn't even necessarily the, the case with this. I mean, this is supposed to be Lance Archer's spot, and he kind of just had to fill in, but they're giving him the main event of this of this pay-per-view, but unfortunately, I don't think Eddie's going to win. Maybe someday, but not right now. I think John Moxley will retain. I think this is going to be leading to John Moxley versus Kenny Omega in the end, uh, and that's just how I see things going. I think Kenny will be the one to dethrone Moxley. I've been saying this for months, that Kenny will be the one to dethrone Moxley, and hopefully we get a Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega for the world championship down the line, you know, maybe a double or nothing next year, maybe for all out next year, you know, to really solidify. Cause not only all out is where the tag team broke up for Kenny Omega and hangman, Adam page, but it's where hangman, Adam page lost the AEW, uh, lost to Chris Jericho for the right to be the first AEW champion. So I think that's where all this is going to lead guys. Thank you so much for this listening, listening to this very last bit. Hope you're all doing well, staying safe, plugged, all of the social media and the podcast stuff earlier. Again, please be sure to be following Mike Verna, the Man of Steel, on all his social media platforms at Man of Steel MV. Please be sure to be following us, TNAWP, Nylon Wrestling Podcast, on Instagram and Facebook. Hope you guys have a good weekend. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.